Hi, this is Welcome to Self, caring for the human in the therapist chair. And I'm your host, Dr. Haley D. Quinn, fellow human, clinical psychologist, supervisor, and trainer. Welcome to Self is a place where you can come and learn ways to elevate your own care and compassion. A place to rest and be soothed. A place to remember that you are human first and choose the helping profession as just one of the roles in your life. My aim is that this is a place of soothing, comfort, nourishment and nurture. A place where you can also welcome yourself. Welcome to another episode. I'd like to take a moment to thank Victoria for her lovely feedback. Victoria said, Thank you, Angelo and Haley, for this episode. I found it very grounding. I particularly liked the call to compassionate action by thinking about my 80 year old self. Gently powerful. Thanks, Victoria. It really means a lot to me when you take time to send through feedback. I'm excited to announce. My next guest, Dr. Elaine Beaumont. Elaine is a psychotherapist specialising in cognitive behavioural therapy, compassion-focused therapy and EMDR. She is a lecturer at the University of Salford, where her research explores the impact compassionate mind training and compassion-focused therapy has in healthcare, educational and clinical settings. Elaine provides workshops regarding mental health, compassion and well-being for a variety of organisations and her research has been presented worldwide. Elaine is co-author of the best-selling books, The Kindness Workbook, Creative and Compassionate Ways to Boost Your Wellbeing, and The Compassionate Mind Workbook, a step-by-step guide to developing your compassionate self. And she is co-author of the Self-Compassion app. I first met Elaine at the Compassionate Mind Foundation conference in London in 2018, And she stays in my mind as one of the beautiful humans I've met along the way. She's a wonderfully compassionate human being. And as you'll hear, has been doing compassionate work since she was a teenager. It is my pleasure to welcome Elaine to the podcast. Elaine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is really exciting. And uh, obviously, it's evening for me here and it's morning for you in the UK. And you were just saying before, it's a lovely, lovely sunny day and what they're expecting to be the hottest day of the year so far. So that's always exciting in England, isn't it? It is if you're in the north of England as well. (laughs) Yeah, nice to see the sunshine. Lovely to spend time with you, Hayley. Thanks for, for inviting me onto the podcast. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Um, So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself, what it was that drew you to psychology and teaching? Yeah, well, I suppose like most people in our profession, we've probably always been interested in people. So even from a young age, from being 14, 15, I was always involved in a lot of kind of community work and and youth work in in Salford, which is... uh, 
a city just outside Manchester. I know you know it, Haley, but some of the listeners might not know. It's quite kind of a quite a, a poor area in parts. But I was always interested in kind of community work. When I was about 17, 18, I went to uh, Kenya, a little village in um, Kolkasumu, just outside or just within Kenya, um, and working in a community. That was about the time of sort of live aid. And as part of a school project, we raised money to kind of take over and help people in the the community there. and did a lot of youth work, was involved in something called uh, kind of Camp Project Wales in the UK in my early 20s, my late teens, taking kind of children camping from families that would kind of struggle to afford to take the kids away. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of the, the background. Of, I just really loved that work and I loved seeing the difference that it made. Um, Teaching-wise, I just, I've always loved to learn. I've always had kind of a passion to learn myself. And I really, really love kind of working with the students at the university and seeing their kind of hunger and enthusiasm and me learning Mm -hmm. from them as well. So, yeah, I really love teaching. I started off teaching A-level psychology. And now, as you know, I teach at the University of Salford. So I teach on different programmes. I teach... um, I run a compassion-focused therapy module, um, which I kind of set up about three years ago, um, which took a bit of time to set up, but I'm, I, I love that module. That's my kind of passion. But I teach on the cognitive behavioural therapy programme, so the kind of master's programme that we have, and also kind of I do some teaching on self, about self-care and compassionate mind training for, for the student nurses and midwives um so yeah it's it's nice and varied I mean this has been part of your life for a long time hasn't it like you say from very early in your life and then it sounds like you've really got this nice diversity and I, I'll often talk with um supervisees about you know that that can be really helpful in our work can't it when we have diversity of practice yeah yeah I've got quite a nice balance when, you know, I was kind of thinking about this before I came on to the the podcast this morning. Actually, what a nice balance I have in that I teach at the university two days a week. Um, I have client work as well um, a couple of days a week, but I also do workshops for Mm -hmm. charities and and I'm doing a lot of workshops for the NHS at the moment. So uh, on helping people with burnout and stress you know where it's been like over here um and and doing bits for the compassionate mind foundation as well so it's it's nice it's i'm not just a full-time therapist or a Mm full-time lecturer so it is really quite a nice balance yeah and when when you think about that what do you think it is that is helpful about that in terms of kind of your career and longevity of career Probably the the fact that there is more of a balance these days, um, that I'm lucky that I'm in a position where, um, you know, I can choose the projects that I want to work on, the work that I want to do. Um, And actually, if I was a full-time lecturer, I don't think I would kind of have as much time to do some of the research and the writing maybe that I do. Um, If I was a full-time therapist, um 
maybe the same. So the fact that it's all different and it kind of re-energizes me in different ways. So the teaching, it's great that there's kind of the passion from um, the from the students, and that's a two way process. From the therapist, uh, from the client work, a lot of my work focuses on trauma, and I think if that was full time, that would be potentially tricky. I'm just going to shut down my emails, Haley, and then we won't get that noise again. I just kept my, uh, sorry, I kept my email on just in case I couldn't get through. So I've just shut that down now, so we won't get interruption. No problem. No problem. So, yeah, lots of diversity. That balance, like you say, it gives you the opportunity to do all the different things that you like. And I love how you say, you know, you get that kind of vitality and, and energy off your students as well. It's like a two way thing, isn't it? They learn yeah. from you. You learn from them. Yeah. In terms of diversity of practice, it's certainly what um, keeps me energized and enjoying my work more as well. Yeah. 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 So you recently co-authored the Kindness Workbook with Dr. Mary Welford. Yes. What inspired you to write that particular book and what did you enjoy most about that process? Well, I think you know I love a workbook, Hayley. Mm. Um, I suppose one of the things that was important for me was I wanted to write about something, uh, some of the things that I wish I'd have known when, when I was younger. So kind of growing up, you know, in Salford just, outside Manchester in the school they kind of talked a lot about goals what are your short-term goals what are your long-term goals what do you want to be what do you want to do and I, and I love the idea of goals and use goals in therapy uh, in, in, in some cases but there's this idea as well that actually if people have a setback then it can kind of ignite self-criticism and maybe feelings of guilt or shame um, and I remember kind of learning about values yeah. and thinking yeah. about, oh, we should have known this as a child, you know, that kind of values are more of a compass for our life. There's no end point. Yeah. You know, it's kind, yeah. of, kind of on a journey. Um, so it was things like that that I wanted to kind of put in the book. I also, from my days of teaching A-level psychology, I know with the students, they kind of learn more from potentially seeing case studies and characters and examples um, and worksheets. So, and then the creative side. So thinking about how we can cement learning that can help us boost well-being by using mind maps and vision boards and, you know, tapping into, does music help us? Does art help us? Does letter writing help us? Um, and I think one of the things kind of, thinking about compassion-focused therapy and compassionate mind training, I think it's really, really creative, and I don't think it always gets the credit for that. So I wanted to put a lot of that in and talk about kind of, you know, creative ideas, but how we can use them in a compassionate way. Yeah. So the CFT yeah. creative side, I think the method acting is brilliant, mindfulness, even things like, you know, had somebody have taught me about how to focus on or think about body posture and facial expression and, and voice tone, all kind of yeah. quite simple, um, potentially to, to do and, and to encourage with other people, but really, really creative. Um, you know, and we love the idea of, and, and you know, I can speak for Mary here as well, but, you know, working with Phoebe to create the illustrations. 
We really want to do that to make it come alive. So it sets it apart. So we've got the case studies, we've got the examples, then we've got the blank worksheets, but we've got all of the different characters. Um, So one of the most enjoyable things, apart from kind of me producing the book, was um, kind of sending Phoebe details about, you know, kind of ideas for, you know, the illustrations. And honestly, Hayley, within 24 hours, probably even before that, she'd send you a sketch back and say, oh, do you mean something like this? So we'd give her the idea of the character or examples of the kindness box or looking, even looking at the scrolls for the script. Yeah. And she'd send yeah. something back and she'd just got it. And the fact that yeah. she was kind of a, a young person herself, it, it just was fun. It just made, you know, that part of writing the book really fun. So I think Mary and I are really pleased because, you know, we wanted to, initially we wanted to try and write something for young people. But actually, you know, the feedback that we've had has been that it's, it's helping people of all ages. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's good for anybody. And I think you were saying, you know, about having fun. That's an important part of your career as well, isn't it? Having things that actually you feel like you can engage in that are fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And having that mix. So um, it's like a balance, isn't it? So if you want to, you know, doing the academic side, but also kind of saying yeah to things that um, give you the fun factor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know this is a big, a big question, but, you know, given that we're talking about the kindness workbook, how do you think we can bring more kindness both to ourselves and others? Well, it's funny because this, this is really interesting because of course I I do all of these workshops and and one of the, the things that I talk about is, you know, what does acts of kindness mean to you? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And for most people, you may may have had the same, Haley. Most people, when you ask, will say, doing a good deed for somebody, um, sending a nice text or a bunch of flowers or, um, you know, something for for other people, which is great. All of those, of course, are important. But we also want to include ourselves on that list. So what can I do for me today that's kind? Um, Or what can I do for me this week? If I can't think of something for that day, what can I do this week that's kind? Um, And in the kindness workbook, we've kind of got the kindness mnemonic. So I think that's quite a good starting point because it gives an outline of what kindness means. So in all of the Mm -hmm. workshops, I've noticed over the years that I would say over 90% of people will talk about kindness for somebody else. But what the kindness mnemonic does is it helps us to put ourselves on the list as well. So it starts with the letter K, obviously, and the K stands for keep learning and trying new experiences. So that puts ourselves on the map. So what can I do for me that's kind, that keeps me learning? Yeah. And during yeah. the, the first lockdown, when everything kind of started opening up in the UK, um, we weren't able to go abroad. So me and my partner would kind of think about where could we go at home and what things could we do. And I kind of had the kindness mnemonic in mind, you know, there's things like interacting and nurture and, you know, et cetera. But the keep learning one was kind of stuck with me because 
often my keep learning has been about kind of academic stuff and writing. Yeah. Um, but I, I was thinking, I want to do things fun. So we kind of tried things like I had an archery lesson, which I was quite good at. I was okay. <laughs> um, I kind of uh, tried axe throwing. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say, if you're not good at that, perhaps don't be no, throwing axes no, around. No, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Uh, stayed in a kind of South African roundhouse on a, near a beach in Norfolk. Stayed in a windmill, went glamping, which, you know, was a step up from camping. So that was quite good. Um, and then in the West Midlands, we opened um, a safari park, a safari lodge. Um, so recently kind of we went there and stayed in um, an elephant lodge because I like elephants. Uh, so all you know learning different things about the different animals and different skills um so yeah I think thinking about kindness to others is really important but what can we kind of do to keep to help ourselves keep learning and be kind yeah and I think you know as professionals it's so important isn't it we, we are so good at helping others you know it, we're sort of naturally inclined to do that Hence, we all end up here. Um, yeah. That's right. Putting ourselves on the list. What would you like for the listeners just to kind of read through what the, each of the letters stands for in the kindness mnemonic? Yes, I'll just get the book. Um, <laughs> OK, so the so the K, I mean, it's it's all of the ingredients that we think make up kindness. Yeah. And so we, in the workbook, we've got the kind of the kindness mnemonic and, and Phoebe's done a great picture with um like a cauldron like with all the it's almost like all the recipe in the yeah. in the in the cauldron but then there's a couple of worksheets but so the 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 keep learning is kind of um you know it might be reading a book it might be following a nature trail it could be doing a crossword playing at learning a musical instrument um you know and then the, the next one the I is interact so interacting and connecting. So sometimes if we're feeling a, that our well-being needs a bit of a boost, kind of reaching out, uh, potentially maybe joining a team or reaching out to family or friends or playing a game where there's other people involved. Um, and we've got notice. So asking for help when you need it, noticing when somebody you care about needs help or talking to friends. And the D stands for decision making. So making plans for your own future, but plans that have your own best interests at heart. Um, and then the N, we've got nurture. So thinking about actually, how can I nurture me? How can I show myself kindness today? Yeah. Is it painting? Yeah. Is it going for a mindful walk? Is it just writing about how I feel? Is it sitting in silence? Um, exercise. Um, you know, going for a walk, trying a fitness app, the usual things, taking a dog for a walk. Yeah. Self-care, you know, thinking about um, maybe healthy habits or sleeping habits or treating yourself, buying yourself some flowers. And then the, the final S is supporting others. So maybe volunteering to help or giving something to charity or something simple like giving somebody a compliment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it took us a while to decide on those, but hopefully they all kind of include kindness ingredients. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, of course, the kindness book isn't the only book you've written. 
you teach and research about compassion and you've co-authored the Compassionate Mind workbook with Dr. Chris Irons. What's been your own biggest learning through that? It's a tricky one, this, because there's been so many things sort of to think about. But I suppose that the first, the thing that came to mind was um, many years ago, probably going back to 2014, 2015, I was asked to teach um, student nurses, thinking about the teaching and research part of that question, mm-hmm. about self-care and, um, and I kind of agreed to do it. And I had a kind of a, an aha moment to quote Oprah Winfrey, because um, I was talking about stress and burnout. And I had a really open discussion with that class of student nurses um, about the symptoms and about self-criticism. So a lot of the compassionate mind stuff. And a lot of the class were saying that, actually, I feel like that now. And they were in the final year with student nurses. And so a kind of remember thinking god this is a brilliant discussion to have with them but what a shame that they've not started employ you know full-time employment yet yet they're experiencing this these things they were comparing themselves unfavorably to their peers which happens a lot in counseling professions as well um so thinking about paul's definition of compassion you know if we think about it's a sensitivity to suffering in self and others with a commitment to try and prevent, uh, to, a commitment to try and alleviate and prevent it. I kind of then was aware that these people were suffering, they were struggling, they were being tough. So it kind of made me uh, want to do something about it. So I created um, a couple of different programs where students were um, invited to attend Compassionate Mind Training. So I wrote a couple of papers just on here's an outline of how we can use compassionate mind training with nurses and midwives and therapists. And then it kind of made me think even more about it. So my PhD focused on then and moved on to thinking about correlational studies. Is this just happening with this cohort or is this happening across other programs? So as part of a team, we looked at stress, burnout, self-criticism, well-being, professional quality of life and self-compassion in a cohort of nurses, midwives and counsellors and psychotherapists. And they were all saying a similar story, Hayley, that when they, if they had high levels of self-compassion, the well-being was okay. If they had high levels of self-criticism and symptoms of stress, they were also having symptoms of, of burnout. Um, and it just made me think about people more in the helping professions. And this is what's great about the work that you're doing. We face a set of unique challenges, don't we, that other professions don't. Because as it's, it's when we're students, my counselling students, for example, they might also work and be doing the counselling mm-hmm. programmes part, part time. Some of them are mature students, so they might have children. They have to have supervision and a placement. Some are required to have therapy. That's kind of unique challenges to people in the helping profession. So, you know, I think that was kind of one of the biggest learnings was that actually, you know, our profession is so different to others that we, it's more important that we kind of take the time to care for ourselves 
Yeah. And then kind of as a result of that, I'm thinking about Paul's, um, you know, kind of, you know, the quote there that I read of Paul's, then thinking about how can I do something about it? And that's what I've been trying to do for the last few years, really, um, with all the workshops and the programmes and, and everything. And then also there's this narrative that, you know, you're helping professionals, you're caring people, you should be caring for others. And I think it takes the focus off the self. And, you know, well, I need to be there for my clients and I should be doing this and I should be able to manage because I I have these skills. And we can get quite disconnected from our humanity. Yeah. um, Or our humanness. Yeah. Um, Not so much our humanity, but our humanness. Um, and then we can get into all sorts of trouble with that, can't we? You know, yeah, start stress, burnout, getting sick. Yeah, and as well, I mean, I, I, I don't know what it's like um, over in Australia, but you know, with everything with with the NHS at the moment, you know, people covering, having to cover shifts and do extra. Um, you know, it, it is really, really difficult, and there's a lot of people, sadly, that are fantastic people that are leaving the profession. Yeah, uh, even midwives you know our midwives yeah so yeah. there is something I mean I'm doing a lot of teaching now about compassionate mind training to um with nurses midwives health visitors and they just love it and yeah. sometimes it's nice easy little wins um but sometimes it's difficult when you work in those big organizations yeah so you've talked a lot about the compassionate mind training I'm just wondering how do you think that cultivating a compassionate mind can assist us as helping professionals I mean you don't need to convince me (laughs) yeah you're doing brilliant work doing this and doing this podcast but I suppose in different ways we're both reaching out and focusing on the importance of self-care sort of saying to people you know you matter you're important it's important to think about your needs as human beings we all get caught up in loops we all worry so, you know, cultivating our own compassionate mind can help us when we maybe fall back into those loops, when we criticise ourselves, when we make a mistake or when we, you know, are struggling with, you know, life events that happened, uh, that, that have happened, you know. So um, I think it's really important. I think it's, um, I think it's essential, definitely. Yeah. And, and such a beautiful way for us to sort of connect when we can build that compassionate self, that we can turn down that volume on the self-critic, hey? Yeah, you know, definitely. And saying that when we're, when we're doing client work, you know, we all get caught up in these loops. Yeah. You know, that's not just you. That's everybody. That's part and parcel of being a human being. Yeah. You know, that kind of normalising work that we all have struggles. We all have mental health, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, um, just like we we all have physical health, and if one takes a knock, it can impact on the other. So yeah, it's it's really important thinking about our own self care. Yeah, fantastic. So you and Chris, since writing the Compassionate Mind Workbook, have gone on to develop an app, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, very techy. <laughs> what was that process like, and what's your um, vision for that? Well, yeah, the app's called the Self Compassion app, and it's honestly, Haley, one of the most rewarding things I've worked on. I mean, I've worked with Chris many times on different projects. We've done research. We've done you know lots of different things over the years together, 
but we both were really, really passionate about this idea of creating an app. And we were we were approached by uh, a fabulous company called Psychological Technologies, and they their expertise obviously is in technology. I mean, Chris is probably better at technology than me, but you know my my kind of knowledge of of technology at the time was was pretty limited. Um, but yeah, so you know they contacted us and said we want to make apps out of best selling books, and we love the Compassionate Mind Workbook. So would you be willing to work with us? And we just like were so excited. We jumped at the chance. And it opened up new ways of learning and discovery, I think, for me, because it made me realize how much technology can be used to boost mood and to help people cultivate compassion. So kind of what was fun about the app was that, you know, we were able to see how you can kind of rate your heart you know measure your heart rate how you can use your breathing and watch your heart rate come down the body scan that we use in the app where you can change the facial expression or the face and on the body you can put where on the body map you know where you feel your anxiety and kind of log what your thoughts are um how you can use kind of soothing rhythm breathing and looking at kind of technology and I just think the app just makes it our work so accessible because for a lot of people, they wouldn't necessarily pick up the book, you know, but, but to have a 28-day app that focuses on the principles, I think is like makes it much more accessible to potentially a lot of younger people yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, we're both really, really, really pleased with it, really proud of it as well because, I mean, it came out originally on iPhone. So it's been on iPhone for a few months. And then the last couple of months, it's now available on, on Android. And do you know what, Haley? We've had over 300 4.8 out of five star reviews. You know, the fact that it's helping people and you can kind of see that. And that's clinicians as well, you know, people in the helping professions as well as clients. So, yeah, we, we were actually a really good team because. Science, psychological technologies, they were the expert on the technology. Chris and I just needed to write it and just be mindful that what might work in a book might not work in an app. Um, yeah. I love the way you say we just had to write it like that was not a big yeah. thing. You know, it's like it's a pretty big deal, Elaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But it was, you know, again, it was something new. So seeing the kind of the fun. And the learning about kind of technology, yeah. um, particularly for me, was fun because it was just like a, it just made me see that there was other ways yeah. um, of helping people potentially. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. And like you say, you know, it's, it's a great app to recommend to clients, but also for helping professionals to use for themselves. Definitely. Yeah, we've been, we've kind of reaching out um, I think we've had a couple of NHS trusts that have kind of uh, either potentially, I think one's agreed to have to, to fund it for the staff, which oh, is great. Yeah. You know, so on the way home from work or, you know, at some point of the day when they've got a bit of time to show themselves a bit of kindness, you know, it's um, you, you just click on the daily practice, whatever it is for that day. Mm. Yeah, so excited about it. It was hard, but so rewarding. Oh, well done. Congratulations. Thank you. 
So you're as human as I am and I'm as human as the next person. And we all struggle, don't we? And we all have challenges. And and even though this is our passion area, Elaine, you know, you and I love this. I know I have challenges with my own self-care. And I wonder what your biggest challenges are in terms of you taking care of yourself, both within and outside of your work. A couple of things got kind of going on at the moment, kind of going through the menopause and you know, um, kind of focusing on having a kind of hot sweat or a, you know, concentration problem, um, kind of just being mindful that that's what's going on and that's normal and just slowing down. But one of the things that I learned many years ago was I never give anything to clients that I don't try myself. So I was teaching, it was a CBT class actually, I was teaching a class about CBT for depression. And we were talking about activity schedules. You know those schedules where you rate pleasure and mastery and it's on a scale of zero to 10. So you're kind of logging everything that you're doing during the day or that week and you're giving yourself a a score from zero being low to 10 being high. The, The kind of skill bit is that sometimes in life things are not always pleasurable, but they might be skillful. So writing a CV or applying for a new job might not be much fun. Yeah. for its skill yeah. so you're kind of thinking about actually can I give myself a pat on the back for for doing that so I said to the students for homework let's all complete the activity schedule this week every day and see what we find and so we what I found personally the students found a whole kind of heap of things as well um, but what I found personally was that although all my scores were high a lot of it was about work teaching, researching, you know, reading up on different things. So, you know, so even though it was really enjoyable, it was that kind of idea of, hang on a minute, what about, you know, and and doing invoices and writing reports and doing things like that at weekend. Can I kind of cut back so that the weekend is my day for kind of friends and doing things that kind of... um, that are good for me that get me out more in nature potentially and you know spending more time with family and friends so you know that's what I did that was a, that was a few years ago kind of taking that time to sort of step back a little bit um but I also think that boundaries are important so I'm in a position now where I set my day up it's probably similar to you Hayley set my day up so this time in the day for me so this is 10 o'clock in the morning UK time um so you know whatever time we finish I've planned to go to the gym not that I love going to the gym I just like how it makes me feel afterwards (laughs) do you want me to keep you talking longer or (laughs) Um, just you know if it wasn't the gym it might be doing something in the garden especially as it's a lovely day today um and then I'll come back and I'll do I've got a couple of clients later on today so, you know, it's um, it's that balance, I think. So, and, and I feel like I'm at a position now where I've got that. It was tricky though, Haley, over lockdown. I don't know what it was like for you, but everything for me went online. So my client work, my uni teaching, my NHS training, everything. You know, I, was, I, I, did, um, I did a few workshops for some charities, but Anxiety UK was one of them. That all went online. And then as well as at the time writing the, the app and the finishing off the kindness workbook, I was just kind of in this room 
So I'm glad I've got my my kind of routine back now and I've got more, you know, kind of worked on the boundaries again with my time. It was quite varied over here. We were very fortunate here in Brisbane, in Queensland. We had some mini lockdowns, but otherwise we kind of went really okay. We were closed all our borders and everything. But obviously, you know, Melbourne, I think, had the longest lockdown in the world and, you know, awful time down there. And so lots of people went online over here. Some people continued face to face. But it did shift people's kind of routines and structure and boundaries. And I think, you know, now we're starting to move out of the pandemic. It's important that people actually stop and look at this, isn't it? And actually think, hang on a minute, what what has changed for me? And is it now helpful or harmful? And do I need to make some changes to it? Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? That helpful or harmful. Does it boost my mood? What does it give to me? What does it take away? Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, the, the the kind of boundary issue I think can be really, really helpful for people. Yeah. I was listening to one of the podcasts that you've done as well, where you were talking about kind of having to manage physical health as well. So, kind of, you know, that's another balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, taking care of the whole of us. Yes. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So you talked about putting space in your day, and I certainly do that, and I certainly encourage other people to do that where they can. Um, And you talked about boundaries. But if if there was anything else you would change about your work, what would it be and why? I think it's a really good question, but at the moment I think I've got a pretty good balance. Um, I love that What one of the things that keeps my kind of, hunger for the industry and passion is is the balance so like I said earlier the teaching um working in the trying to make a difference in the city I grew up in um kind of the the client work a lot of the work I do is trauma work yeah but it's not so I did some of the work for the people impacted by the Manchester bomb Mm. and now Mm. having worked with some of the young people now kind of working with some of the people in the helping professions or the you know the people that bore witness to that so some of our student nurses were in the hospitals kind of you know at the time working as the the people were being taken to hospital um but then kind of doing that and then the workshops it's a nice mix so you don't never get tired of anything and nothing really kind of drags you down and if there was and then I I have a chunk of time usually during the summer because my partner's a teacher so try and kind of not book too much in over the summer or when it's Christmas holidays. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I make sure that, you know, we have, you know, like at Easter, we went to Barbados for, for a couple of weeks, just time to recharge and slow down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, working, doing the, the workshops for charities and I've done a couple of things now for the Compassionate Mind Foundation as well. Yeah. You know, it's all really good because you get something different. My week is different. It's not the same every day. Some good variety, having good boundaries, putting some nice breaks in place and then having those breaks. I I work eight weeks and then take two weeks off, work another eight weeks, take two weeks off and then have a longer break at the Christmas because obviously Christmas over here, that's our summer holiday. Yes. Um, So I take my longer time at the end. And I found that doing that over the last couple of years really, really helpful. And I also acknowledge my privilege in being able to do that. Um, Yes. But I think even yeah. if it's small breaks, 
looking at even if you don't have capacity to take big breaks in your work it's like where can you even take small breaks can you yeah. put a little bit more space between your clients that kind of yeah. thing is so important yeah. for people to think about yeah definitely Hayley I think that's really important I was saying to the students a couple of weeks ago that trying to have little wins so if something's stressful so like when I'm teaching at Salford um it can be all go. So I might teach a CBT class in one building, like Monday. Uh, last Monday, I was teaching nine till 12 in one building on the campus. And then I had another class at one o'clock on a different part of the campus. <laughs> and trying to fit lunch in with, you know, with a 20 minute walk between campuses, but trying to make it a mindful walk. Yeah. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I touch? And then sort of, you know, whenever I go to the toilet at the university and I'm washing my hands, you know, that kind of mindfulness of being in the moment of, as I'm washing my hands, how that feels, but also maybe having a glance at myself and saying, you're doing well, you know, you're doing the best you can right now. You know, um, you've got a great class that you're going to be kind of working with in another half hour, you know, so that kind of a little bit of self-talk, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I think those micro moments are so important, aren't they? Um, because we can't always take chunks of time. So thinking about what's the smallest thing I can do. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I, I've often be heard chatting to myself. Um, <laughs> that sort of, so it's all right. And I think, I think it's really important, isn't it? It's like giving yeah. yourself that that little pep talk or just actually acknowledging you know, I did really well there or that's yeah. kind of gone well yeah. I think is, is important. It's okay. And I think it can also bring up discomfort for people. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be focusing on yourself and you shouldn't be, you know, what's the old saying, blowing your own trumpet. It's like, well, if you've yeah. got a trumpet, why would you not blow it? Like, blow your trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about elite sports personalities they do, don't they? They have that kind of confidence in the physical ability and I'm going to beat such and such a body and I'm going to win and, you know, I'm the best. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, would often say, you know, and, and not be afraid to say he's the best footballer or, you know, even though people might disagree. Um, you know, so we, we do that kind of thinking about sports men and women, yeah. but often yeah. don't kind of remind ourselves to give ourselves a pat on the back. Because yeah. we think, particularly, I mean, you know, being kind of British, but, you know, so it's almost like a, a, a culture thing, potentially, you know, we don't do that. Yeah. yeah, I think moving to Australia helped me with that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is important. And I think sitting with the discomfort and practicing doing these things for ourselves can be really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes if I'm feeling the discomfort, I might just kind of put my hands on my chest, you know, yeah. what am I noticing? What is this? Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. That's understandable because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's, you know, just, just taking a moment to do something like that. I think that pause yeah. and just help, yeah. just to acknowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So if there were one piece of advice, what would that be for our listeners? I guess it's something that we've just been touching on, uh, kind of taking time to check in with yourself. Remind yourself of the three of three good things that you might have done that day or three things you're grateful for. 
or three things you want to do for yourself. Maybe, you know, and, and one of the things that was lovely to see actually with the app is the app asks those similar questions. So we talk about gratitude, yeah. but every day yeah. we we ask, you know, what would make today a good day? You know, getting you to think about yourself. And with the um, people that we did the uh, research with, which was staff and students at Salford, actually, that was one of the things that they really enjoyed. So even when things were a bit tricky, it made them just kind of take a pause and a step back and, and think. So it could either be gratitude, you know, so spending time with somebody, you know, I'm grateful I've got a chance to spend time with you today. Um, it might be three things I want to do for me yeah. today. Or just sitting in silence or just reminding myself about, you know, three good things that I've done, how I've made, potentially made a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that kind of check in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Slowing it down. And gosh, I mean, you know, with you, with the work that you do and the books you've written and the app that you've created, you've absolutely made a difference in the world alone. I mean, it's incredible. Incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I've been, been lucky over the years. I've worked with some, some great people and some great teams. So, yeah it's um that's another thing i like i like collaboration yeah. um you know you learn things from other people but, yeah. yeah so if you could meet your 80 year old self what do you think your future self would say to you i absolutely love this question <laughs> so and do I. I don't think i've ever been asked this anything like this before so i love it I think my 18-year-old self would say, you're leaving a whisper in history. Oh, oh that's made me teary. Oh, wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you are. Yeah. I love that. You know, we're here and we're gone, you know, but we we all leave a whisper in history, you know, whether it's through our work, through children, you know, we leave that. Oh, gosh. You, you know, yeah, I mean, gosh, what a legacy you're leaving with the work that you're doing. It's um, it's really beautiful. Yeah. You, you too, Hayley. You, you know, you're doing fantastic work and making a big difference. So, And, you know, I think that's what being so passionate about CFT and compassionate mind training does. It, it helps us to kind of think about um, other people and how we can make a difference. and. Yeah, a whisper in history. That's so beautiful. So can you tell us about any current projects or research or any new books or any exciting apps or anything else that you're currently working on? Who knows what you're doing next? Well, Chris and I are kind of working on the write-up for the research and, and then potentially going to do a, a bigger trial, hopefully, with the app because we, we've tested it with students and staff. Um, so we're almost finished um, the qualitative uh, aspect and we've got an, a, a second paper, which is be the, the, the quantitative side. Mm. And then we'll, we're going to look at, you know, kind of, can, can we get this and, and do another research uh, project uh, potentially? Uh, so we're definitely doing that. I'm in the middle of writing a couple of chapters about compassionate mind training for, for a book um, that's about working with people who've experienced domestic abuse. Oh, wow. So these are so kind of um, 
one book to help people that work in that field so potentially helping students so how can we help people cultivate a compassionate mind that have experienced domestic abuse but a second chapter potential looking at self-care you know so when we're working with trauma populations or with that population Mm -hmm. you know how do I then take care of me what can I do so that's what I'm currently working on Oh, lovely. I'm actually doing a, a workshop in November with Dr. Lisa McLean. She just did her PhD in CFT for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're doing a two-day workshop. One is teaching therapists how to use CFT with trauma clients. And then the other part of the workshop is how do we take care of ourselves as therapists yeah. when we're working with these clients. And I was saying to somebody last night, I think we need to be incorporating this into all the training. Yeah. You know, because this is really hard, challenging work. I mean, I had Paul on the podcast um, early in season one. And, you know, I think he summed up. He says, we're not selling baked beans. Yeah. You know, this is challenging work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we can do, I mean, it's so tricky. I mean, I really wanted to do my CFT module at the university because I know it helps people. It makes a difference. And I did some research on that and it, and the students absolutely loved it. And a lot of the focus, even though it was the academic and they had assignments, there was that reflective part. And that's, you know, the feedback was that they really enjoyed that, having the opportunity to kind of practice what they preach, I guess. Yeah. So I think yeah. that was really important. So, so it's, I know now at Salford, we do it on a lot of the programmes, but the tricky thing is, when you're, you know, learning to be a clinical psychologist or some kind of psychologist, CBT therapist or counsellor, there's so much on the curriculum, isn't mm-hmm. there, that you need to know how to work with risk and, yeah. you know, confidentiality mm-hmm. as well as all the different, you know, what you would have to work with different disorders. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that, that self-care, I think, on education programmes, it's just also been at the bottom of the list. Yeah. But now, hopefully, you know, we're talking a lot more about that. We can take care of people for longer and more effectively if we are OK ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if it's taught on education programmes more um, rather than it just being a couple of, you know, lectures or, yeah. you know, um, it's a reminder as well to people coming into the helping professions that actually I do matter. Yeah. Oh yeah, what about my well-being? You know, I need to focus on that too. Okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. We need to collaborate, Elaine, and get this onto the curriculums. <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, we do well at Salford. I do extra bits and pieces, but definitely, yeah. Uh, I'd love to collaborate with you, Haley. We'll have to think of something we can work on together. Absolutely. Watch this space, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally, Elaine, if people want to find out more about you or get in touch, where where's the best way for them to engage in your work? Uh, well, the books are in the kind of the usual, they're in bookstores. So in the UK, Waterstones, WH Smith. Uh, you can obviously buy them online. Yeah. Um, there are also links to the books on the Compassionate Mind Foundation website. Um, so, you know, you, next time you look on the Compassionate Mind Foundation, you can take a look. There's lots of fabulous books there, not just mine. Um, and if for more information about the app, um, the 
the link for the app is www.selfcompassion.me forward slash. Um, but my website is beaumontpsychotherapy.co.uk. Um, so the app and the book, so there's links on, on that website as well. Uh, and I love Twitter because I can get to connect with like-minded people like, like you uh, on Twitter, which is fabulous. So my um, Twitter address is at Beaumont Elaine. And I think my, my my email for the university is kind of on the internet somewhere. So And I'll put all these oh. on the show notes as well. And um, oh. will you be at the Compassionate Mind Foundation conference in October this year? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think it's in Edinburgh, isn't it, this year? Yes. Yeah. 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 Are you going? I am I am contemplating that at the moment. So I hope to see you there. Yeah, well, hope so. Because uh, I think it's a hybrid this year, isn't it? The online and the in-person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it would be lovely, lovely to, to have a proper catch-up and, and yeah, to see. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I really hope to see you in person later this year, maybe. Well, hope so. If not next time you're in the UK, we'll have to hook up. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me, Hayley. It's been lovely to spend some time with you. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing this time with me today. I hope your time here was helpful and supportive. If there has been something in this episode that you have found helpful, I invite you to share it with another person you think might benefit. I'd also love it if you'd like to leave a review wherever you tune in. Reviews really help to increase awareness of podcasts, meaning I can spread helpful information more widely. All reviews are welcome and much appreciated, as I know they take time out of your day. Music and editing by Nissa Ray. Thanks, Nissa. I wish you all well in your relationship with yourself, and may you go well and go gently.